for wonderful leading us into worship this morning. Chad is on his way back from a restful time at a little place called Disney World. So I'm sure he's well rested and ready to come back and, and be fired up to be in the pulpit next week. But, uh, but today he asked me to, to come and share with you a, a New Year's message on New Year's Day. So Jerry already said, but happy New Year, happy 2023. As I was thinking about this this morning, I thought, you know, it seems to me, you know, kind of aging myself, but it seems like, like yesterday we were dealing with Y2K. And it's been like more than 20 years ago. Young people, y'all can Google Y2K later and laugh at how we thought the world was going to end. Um, but it's been 20 years, so, so happy new year, happy 2023. And, uh, and, and we're going to be, I'm really excited for this message today. It's kind of, you know, when, when you only get to preach a couple of times a year, you kind of germinate on messages for a while. You kind of have these, these ideas that come up and you maybe make notes about it or you, you think about it and you think, hey, someday when I get to preach, I'm, that's the message I'm going to preach. And this one's kind of been in my mind for a while, but really over the last few months, it's kind of gone from just being an idea in my mind to really being a, a conviction of my heart of some things that I, I just really want to share with you. And, uh, and, you know, today it's New Year's Day. There will be messages all over the world today telling you how to make 2023 your best year ever. There are going to be pastors all over the place preaching to you about getting your body in physical shape this year, getting in spiritual shape. Congregations are going to be challenged to read your Bible. And this is one of those congregations. As Jerry said, out at the event center, there are uh, bookmarks that have the, the reading plan for January. It's January 1st. Right now, you're not behind. Go pick a card up on your way out, start the reading plan. You can also do it electronically through the website. You can subscribe to the electronic calendar where it just pops up on your calendar every day. So be sure to do that. We do want you to read the Bible. But pastors will challenge us to read the Bible. They'll challenge us to get in, in, in shape spiritually and physically and to eat better this next year. All these things are going to happen this next year. Communicators are going to do a masterful job explaining all that. You can Google those messages later because that's not what you're getting from me today. That's not where God led me today. But you can go listen to those messages, and those great communicators will help you with that. Today, like I said, this is something that's kind of been, kind of been deep inside me for, I don't know, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years. Um, I was driving home from work one day and, and listening to talk radio. Yes, I'm boring and old. I listen to talk radio. And, and there was a, there's a local pastor that had a radio show, and he always asked his listeners questions. And he would get, you know, call-in show where you call in and, and answer the question that he asked. And, and this one day he asked a question that quite seriously kind of made me laugh. I, I kind of laughed out loud while I was driving along. And, and the question, I can't really remember the context of the question. It could have been during an election cycle or something maybe going on in America. I'm not 100% sure. But he asked the question, are America's best days behind us or in front of us? And like I said, I quite literally laughed out loud. I thought, what a ridiculous question to ask. That's an obvious answer. The Bible gives us that answer very clearly. But then I started listening to the callers calling in. And it was basically two sides. 
There was the one group of callers that would call in, oh, the best days are ahead of us. We've got all these technological advances. We can communicate with the world so easily. All these great things are happening. It's going to be so wonderful. And then people would call in and say, oh, medical advances are going to make it to where we live longer than we've ever lived in history and how great that's going to be. Well, I kind of remembered, well, let's see. I can think of three or four that lived up more than 800 years in the Bible. I think of two, Miss Nan Wright, two that maybe lived more than 900 years. Let me make myself very clear. No matter what the medical advances are, I have zero desire to live on this earth for 900 years. <laughs> I don't even want to live on this earth for 100 years. So, but all these medical advances are going to make it so great for us. And then there would be the other group that would call in. And they would call in, they'd say, oh, America's best days are behind us. And they would talk about moral decay and how people have just turned away from the Lord. They would talk about how lazy the next generation is. No offense. But they would say no one wants to be the farmers and the welders and the mechanics that really built America from the ground up. So they said, oh, America's best days are behind us. By now I'd already gotten home, so I'm sitting in my driveway listening to this. And I kind of got to the point I couldn't take it anymore. So I grabbed my phone, I dialed up the number, and this guy, we know we've met each other a couple of times, so he knows who I am, I knew who he was. He, they, they transferred me to him, and I say, man, are you, is this a joke? And he said, no, no, it's a great question, I want to know this from my listeners. I said, you're a pastor, you know the answer. And he said, oh, I'm not trying to be spiritual today, I just want to know what people think. I said, brother, you cannot keep the truth from your listeners the Bible makes it very clear, nothing gets better from now until the end. Nothing gets better. More recently, I've been really, really perplexed or concerned, maybe even righteously anger, angry, I don't know, about these, what I'll call Facebook prophets. Don't anybody email me. Don't pick on Facebook. It could be Twitter or Instagram or whatever other social media platforms out there that I know nothing about. So whatever it is, these, these prophets that, that post every day that we're living in the greatest times in history, and they'll post a Bible verse. They'll post a single Bible verse that's from an entire passage on prophetic future, talking about the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, they'll post this one little Bible verse and say, see, this is what God is going to give us on August 3rd. And then August 3rd comes, it doesn't happen. Oh, God's going to give it to us on November 20th, and then it doesn't happen. Oh, I meant January 15th, and it doesn't happen. And what blows my mind is the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that click like they, they, they comment on it, praise the Lord, praying for it with you. I know it's going to happen too. Yes, these are the greatest times in history to live. Guys, I'm sorry, but those are just lies, and anyone that posts things like that is a heretic. There's this great thing in Facebook, unfollow. Learn how to use it. So today, church family, I know it's New Year's. I know it's, it's, it's New Year's, and I know you, you want to be pumped up and motivated today, but, but I cannot keep the truth from you. I feel compelled to tell you from God's word. As a matter of fact, almost every verse I will use today is in red in my Bible. 
So I'm going to use the words of Christ to try to paint the picture of what we see today and what we see coming into the future to lead up to the end times. Now listen to me. I know a lot of this is going to be kind of, it could almost be depressing and it can be down, defeatist. Some of you are going to say, Gino, why are you being Debbie Downer on New Year's? Just bear with me. I promise you we'll get to the good stuff. Just bear with me. We're going to get there. We're going to have a rough road to get there, but once we get there, we'll be there. So, you got your copy of God's Word? Flip over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Now, the theologians and scholars in the room just kind of caught your breath. Because you know Matthew 24 is one of those sections, really 24 and 25, is one of those sections of the Bible that there's a lot of conflict and question about exactly who it's being written to, what's the context of it, who's it being written to. I could spend the next hour up here debating that. I can go back to the original language and tell you what the original language says. I can use the cross references and tell you what it says. And there's on this one side that says this is totally to the Jewish nation. It's talking to the Jewish nation about what's going to happen at the end times. The other side is it's talking to the church. Y'all remember, I'm from Mississippi. I went to Ole Miss and Liberty Theological Seminary. So I have to think of things in a real simple mindset. And to me... To me, the answer is in Matthew 24, 3. Matthew 24, 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, church, every single word in the Bible is very, very important. The key word in that verse is privately. The original language is, is privately or alone. It's one of those two words. Privately or alone. So the disciples came to him privately or alone, away from the crowds. This is Jesus and his disciples having a conversation. So we have to look at all the teaching that follows as teaching to the disciples. And who are the disciples? They're the first pastors of the Christian church. So therefore, if this is teaching to the first pastors of the Christian church, this is teaching to the church. This is teaching to anyone who believes in the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The Gospel Transformation Bible notes it this way regarding Matthew 24 and 25. I quote, This long block of teaching emphasizes God's coming judgment of rebellion against him the importance of being ready for this time of judgment and what his readiness looks like for his disciples. Again, who are his disciples? The first pastors of the Christian church, people who believe in him, the church. So all of this, in my humble opinion, is teaching directly to the church. And that's how I'm going to unpack it today. That's how I'm going to unpack it today. So, so let's just do this. Let's go ahead and read Matthew 24 verses 1 through 14, and then we'll go through and kind of delve into each one of the verses. 24.1, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. He answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be one left here, one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately Again, privately, alone. 
saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, but these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So what exactly is Jesus telling us in this, this passage, this beginning of really a, a two-chapter passage in 24 and 25 about the end times? What's he starting off with? Number one, religious deception. Religious deception. Look with me at verses 4 and 5. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Now, church family, if somebody walked in here right now screaming, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, our security team would escort them out, and we would call Richland Police Department because we would think they were out of their mind. So what exactly is Christ telling us here? What's he talking about here when he talks about us being led astray? Church family, now more than ever, it is paramount. It is paramount that we are very careful and we pay very close attention to the preachers that we listen to. It is very important. Now hear me. There are some amazing communicators out there that preach weekly to thousands of people in a live setting and tens of thousands of people on the internet. Their messages often draw one in and give, give them hope, hope for prosperity, hope for healing, hope for a new job, hope for a big house, hope for all these things that draws people in and tells them that this is what's going to happen, that if you just have enough faith, you can have everything you ever wanted in life. Many people are being led astray. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget having a conversation with a new believer who thought he was a new believer. And he said to me, he said, I'm just so excited that now that I'm a Christian, I will have no more problems. I said, what? And he said, I'm not ever going to lose another job. My wife is going to come back to me. All my problems are over. And I said, what are you talking about? And he shared with me that he'd been following one of these internet pastors that told him if he just had faith in Jesus that all of his problems would go away. So I tried to explain to him that that's kind of not what the Bible says. It actually says following Jesus will be persecuted. Following Jesus is hard. But he was just determined that this internet pastor told him, all I got to do is follow Jesus and everything's going to be fine. I did my best. But a year later, he was back in rehab. He's been in and out of rehab for years since. He told me one time, I guess that Jesus you follow isn't that great after all. He'd been led astray by false teaching. False teaching. 
Church family, we have got to be careful. We've got to be careful of who we put trust in. We've got to be careful. You know, I think one of the greatest sins in churches all across the world is worshiping the pastor. People will use verses about Saul and 1 Samuel, say, lay not your hand on God's anointed, as the words to say, don't go against a pastor no matter what. I want to remind us all, God didn't want Israel to have an earthly king. God wanted to be their king. But because of their sin and hard hearts, he gave them what they asked for, and it destroyed their nation. Destroyed their nation. Church family, if there's a pastor who is the king of the church, that's not a church, that's a cult. So if you think right now about churches around the world, and if you think if that pastor wasn't there, that church would cease to exist, that's not a church. That's not a church. Christ is the king of the church. That is who we have to focus on. So how do we not get led astray? How do we not get pulled into these great communicators and their great messages that draw us in? We have to study his word ourselves every single day. Church family, do not walk out these doors today saying, Gino said Matthew 24 is to the church. No, go home, study it yourself. Get out some commentaries, study it yourself, cross-reference, look at original language, do all of that stuff. And then say, this is what the Bible showed me. Don't ever say Gino said or Kylie said or Jerry said or Miss Nan said or Mark Davis said or Randy Crest said. None of that. What's the Bible say? You have to go study it yourself so that when you hear that teaching that's not right, you can identify it. So please, study the Bible yourself. So number one, religious deception. Number two, war. It's real fun now. 24, 6 through the first part of 7. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, we could call out places right now that we know where literal war is going on. The Ukraine, the Sudan, the Middle East. Literal bombs are falling. Literal bullets are being shot. So we know that real war is going on all over the place. We hear rumors of war because we hear all these rumors and these news reports of, of countries that are, that are testing nuclear weapons. And there's some leaders out there that might just be dangerous enough to use them. So we think that there's war and then there's these rumors of an oncoming nuclear war sometime in the future with these leaders that are just dangerous enough to use them. But we also know that even within nations, even within nations, there's kingdom against kingdom or faction against faction, even within a nation. Right now in the nation of Peru, I love Peru so much from the times that I had the privilege of, of going on mission there. And right now in the nation of Peru, there are two kingdoms or two factions that are fighting for control of that nation. And all the innocent people in the middle are getting destroyed because of those two kingdoms fighting. And church family, let's be honest. It's in America right now. 
there are two kingdoms or two factions in America. Whether you call them the Republicans and Democrats, the left and the right, the liberals and the conservatives, whatever you call it, there are two kingdoms fighting for control of this country and we're more divided than we've been since the Civil War. But Jesus said, don't be alarmed. All these things must happen, but the end is not yet. All this is supposed to happen. The end is not yet. So first, religious deception. Second, war. Third, natural disasters. Natural disasters. Man, I'm just pumping us up today. The final part of Matthew 24, 7, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. I think just last week there was a 5.4 earthquake out in California. We've seen extremely strong tornadoes and hurricanes over the last few years, floods over the last few years all over the world. All over the world today there are famines that people are literally starving to death. Now it's funny, on a Sunday if, if pastor goes a little long, if you stand out there in the lobby, you'll hear people walk by going, I'm starving to death. Guess what? No, you're not. You're hungry. But there are literally people, as I've been up here talking right now, people have died of starvation. As I've been up here talking, people have died because they had no fresh water to drink. There are literal famines going on and people are dying from it. So we know there's natural disasters. We know that, that people are dying from not having food and not having water. That's pretty bad, but Jesus seems to indicate this is just the beginning. It's actually going to get worse. Look at verse 8. All these things are but the beginning of the birth pains. Now, believe it or not, I've never given birth. I am a man. I've never even had a kidney stone, which my understanding from people that have had kidney stones, that's the closest thing that's, that resembles a natural childbirth. So I've never even had one of those, so don't, I can't even comprehend that pain. But what I understand when you think about birth pains is that they start with kind of some mild contractions that are maybe 15 or 20 minutes apart. Just kind of, ooh, that's a little different. Kind of feel, hey, baby must be coming soon. And then they maybe they intensify to maybe five or 10 minutes apart. And like, ooh, baby's coming. And then they get about two minutes apart, and it's like, okay, we got to get to the hospital. And then it's my understanding that once the actual labor starts, in a natural delivery without all medical technology medicine, in a natural delivery that the mother is in excruciating pain and agony up until the time of the birth of that child. So when I see Jesus say, these are but the beginning of the birth pains, we're kind of at that mild contraction every 20 minutes stage. And it's going to get to the a little bit more intense contractions at 10 minutes more intense at five minutes, more intense at two minutes, and then the major, major birth pains. It's all coming. It's all coming. And Jesus is telling us, don't be surprised. Don't be alarmed. This is all going to happen. He says the deception, the religious deception is going to get worse. Wars are going to get worse. Natural disasters, famines, 
pandemics are going to get worse. Wow, happy new year. Everything in culture will continue to decline until the end. Jesus is very clear. What happens next? Number four, Christians will be persecuted. Look with me at verses 9 through 12. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Some of your Bibles say persecution. And put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Again, who is the, who is the you? Who is the you that's going to be given up to tribulation and persecution? Who's the you put to death? Who's the you that's hated by all nations? Again, this is Jesus talking to his disciples in a private alone setting. So it's my belief. He is talking directly to the church. So he's talking to anyone who believes in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Again, he talks about false prophets. Again, he warns us about these teaching of, of false prophets. And again, I'm really concerned about the godlike status we give leaders. The godlike status that we give to leaders. Hear me. If you make a pastor a godlike status in your life, that's a bad thing. You make your spouse a godlike being in your life, that's a bad thing. If you make a political leader a godlike being in your life, that is a very, 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 very bad thing. Anything that we put in godlike status other than God Himself is a bad, bad thing. Now, here at Colonial Heights, we have generally had amazing men as our lead pastors. During my sabbatical, I was able to spend some time with Mark Anderson, who served here in the early 2000s. He has one of the purest pastor's hearts of anyone I know. Just talking to him and hearing how he loves me still after all these years, which it's hard to love me, just for the record. Ask Lisa any day. He loves this church, but he would be the first one to say, don't ever worship me. Worship Christ alone. Right now, we have the privilege of having Pastor Chad as our under-shepherd. And I'm going to let you all in on a little secret. So it was one of our first one-on-one meetings. It might have been the first one, but it was one of the first. It was very early in his tenure here. Um, we were sitting down, and we were looking at the organizational chart of Colonial Heights. So all the employees, you know, lead pastor, ministerial staff, support staff, weekday ministry, everyone employed at Colonial Heights on this. And so I'd worked really hard on it. It was really pretty. I was really impressed with myself. And he was looking at it and he was pondering it. And after a few minutes of looking at it, he looked up at me and he kind of said, there's one big problem. And I was like, oh, man, I'm about to get demoted or you know, get fired or what's about to happen. And he said, that top box is a problem. And I was really confused then. He said, the lead pastor isn't the leader of this church. Christ is. 
So the official organizational chart for Colonial Heights Baptist Church, the top box says Lordship of Jesus Christ. Chad wanted us to know from day one, he is not the king of this church. Jesus is. Jesus is. So from day one, he made that clear to all of us. So guys, look, we have to remember We have to guard ourselves. Even when we have great teachers and leaders among us, we have to guard ourselves not to give them God-like status. Only God is to be worshipped. Only God is to be praised, no matter how great someone else is. If you make a good thing, even a great thing, a God thing, that's a bad thing. So remember that as we go forward. Next, Jesus tells us love grows cold. I would argue that love has grown cold. In 2021 in Jackson, we recorded the most homicides in history. And 2022 isn't far behind. Thursday morning while I was sitting out in the woods watching some of God's creatures play in the field in front of me, I received a text from our elder chairman, Mike Gladney that our own James Thomas, a precious little boy that grew up in our youth ministry, surrendered his life to the military first and then to law enforcement, had been murdered in Atlanta. That beautiful, infectious smile that lit the room up was taken away from us because love has grown cold. Even with decisions that should slow down the rate of abortion in America. This year, we will be real close to a million abortions in America. We attack each other over the most ridiculous reasons. Because love has grown cold. You know, by now you're saying, wow, I'm so glad I came today. But number five, we have a job. We have a job to do. What is our job? What is our job? Look, this has not been fun to talk about. I wish I could have had one of those uplifting sermons to send you all out of here excited and and, and just pumped up and ready to go. This is not what I wanted to preach. But I preach what God tells me to preach, not what I want to preach. The crux of culture and society will continue to decline until the end. That's the facts. Anyone that tells you otherwise is a liar. So if you're following one of those internet pastors and he says these are the greatest days ever, he's lying. If you're following a political leader that says everything's going to be great again, he's a liar. If you're following anyone that tells you that, they're lying. Jesus is clear, it all gets worse from now until the end. That's hard to hear. But I told you I'd get to the good stuff. Look with me at verses 13 and 14. But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So who is going to proclaim this gospel throughout the whole world? Us. 
the church. It's our job to go out and proclaim the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. It starts in your home, in your neighborhood, in your state, in your country, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. That's our job is to go and make disciples of all nations. Please, please, please don't let anything I've said today make you feel defeated. Don't let anything I've said today make you feel like you need to roll over and give up. I want this to motivate us. I want us to understand what's going to happen, and we have a job to do. We have a job to proclaim his name in all nations, and then the end will come. So what happens at the end? Flip a page or so in your Bible to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 31 and following. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But the question is, what is this kingdom we like talking about? We sang about it this morning. We sang about the coming kingdom. What is this kingdom we talk about? You don't have to turn there. But Revelation 21, 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain for the former things have passed away. And he who was sitting on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. He also said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. For the one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be there, his God, and he will be my son. Church family, that's what we're here for. When we talk about sharing the gospel with someone, it's so they can have that. It's so they can be in that new heaven, that new earth, dwelling with God every day. That's why we do all the things that we do. That's why we're here on New Year's, Eve, on New Year's Day. It's why we were here on Christmas Day. It's why we go around our community and tell people about Jesus. It's why we have a weekday ministry where about 50% of our weekday kids are unchurched, many of them from other countries and other religions. They're coming knocking on our front door, paying us money so we can teach them about Jesus. Praise the Lord. 
It's why we do everything we do is to share the gospel with all the nations. So church family, I can't lie to you. Culture's just going to get worse. It's just going to get worse. That doesn't mean you're not going to have great things in your life and marriages and child's being, children being born and all kinds of great things in your life. But overall, culture is declining. But here's my challenge to all of us today. Don't let this to be something that depresses you, makes you throw your hands up and quit. Because we know who wins in the end. He wins. He conquers all. He's the alpha and the omega. He wins. And that is what we have to focus on. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning, Lord, and I thank you, Father, for for being with us today, for being in our midst today. Lord, I can't help but think right now for the many around the world that are suffering for your name's sake already. We don't see that persecution as much here in America yet, but we pray for those around the world that are worshiping in secret right now or being persecuted right now for your namesake because it's already happening. Father, I, I pray that, that today has not been a day that discourages us, but a day that reminds us we're not to be alarmed by the things we see. It all must happen so that your name could be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. And then that end will come your kingdom will descend out of heaven because everything on this earth is going to burn. It's all gone. But for those who believe in you, we will have that eternal kingdom with you. Father, I pray that today we remember that. Thank you, Jesus. Today you, you came out on New Year's Day and Generally, you would think on people here on New Year's Day, you must all be believers. You must all have Christ as your Lord, but I know better. So if you've heard today that, that there is a coming kingdom and you want to be a part of that kingdom, I challenge you to step right over here to this room to my left, to your right, where our staff, our ministerial staff will be there to greet you. They can pray with you. They can talk to you about what it means to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Some of you may have marriages that you just want somebody to pray for you about or a kid that you need somebody to pray for you about. They'll be glad to do that also. Some of you just may want to come to the altar and, and pray, remembering what's happening in culture, but pray that God makes you that valiant warrior for him. Whatever it is, Follow what God tells you to do. Stand with me as we sing.